daily and follow me. That Scripture alone, just looking at that Scripture alone, we realize that following Jesus is not easy, right? It's not easy. We realize from looking at that verse, denying myself, well, the world wants me to focus on myself. That's not going to be easy. Taking up a cross that resembles death, that's not going to be easy because the world talks about whatever's easiest. Jesus also said, wide is the way that many follow, but it leads to destruction. Narrow is the way and difficult is the way that leads to righteousness. When Jesus said that, the crowds left Him. The crowds left Him and they eventually killed Him for it. Someone said this, This world has no problem accepting the following and following a religious leader who permits them to stay in their sins. But they will crucify the man who dares to point them to a narrow gate that leads to a narrow way. Isn't that a shame? Yet that's the world we live in. That's the world Jesus walked in. Even Peter was amazed that following Jesus involved, involved a cross. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 22. The Bible says, Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. One gentleman tells of a story of a time that he ran into a Christian friend who one day they had not seen in several years, and he was sharing his experiences of being a Christian. And he tells this guy, by the way, the last time I heard you preach, you talked about Christians being persecuted. I have to confess to you, he said, I don't agree with you. I've never been persecuted for being a Christian. And I don't think it's a necessary part of our Christian life. This preacher went on to say that they had to part at that moment, things just separated them. They were busy. They had to go their separate ways. But he said this, If the conversation would have continued, he would have pointed out that the righteous have always suffered for their faith in one way or another. It began when Cain killed Abel. Cain was a religious man, by the way. It... Next went to Moses. Moses had to choose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God, Hebrews 11.25, than to compromise himself in Egypt. Jesus himself told that the prophets were persecuted and he warned his disciples that they too would be persecuted. Paul wrote this to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 12. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus. Listen to him will suffer persecution. James says there's two reasons, at least, that followers of Jesus are, are being persecuted. They're being persecuted for righteousness' sake and for His name's sake. The root meaning for the word righteousness means to divide or to be different. Jesus said in John 15, If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. You see, that, that's something that we don't think about or talk about a lot as a Christian. We do talk about how we treat those in the world. We do talk about how we share the gospel and those things are important. But sometimes we need to be reminded, listen, the world's going to hate us. 
because we're Christ followers. And Jesus said, don't be alarmed, don't be shocked when that happens, because it hated me first. Someone else has said, we must be careful to distinguish between persecution and punishment. We are punished by good men for doing evil. And we are persecuted by bad men for doing good. Peter would say in 1 Peter chapter 4, he would describe that he knew the difference between persecution and punishment. He said, if you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you. That's exactly what Jesus is saying. For the Spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, He is blasphemed, but on your part, He is glorified. Amen. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, as a thief, as an evildoer, as a busybody in other people's matters. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. You see, when, when the Bible talks about suffering, it's not talking about a punishment. It's talking about suffering for wearing the name of Christian. It's talking about suffering for doing the will of God. It's talking about suffering for trying to live righteously. Jesus was always completely and honest and upfront with his disciples. He never promised them a life of ease or luxury. I mean, Luke 9:23 doesn't sound like a promise of a life of ease or luxury, does it? If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. Take up that cross that means death and follow me daily. The Jews did look for a redeemer that would redeem them from the rule of the Roman government. In a sense, they may have been looking for a life of ease and luxury, a life for things the way they wanted it. As one writer put it, Jesus made it clear that He had not come to make life easy but to make men righteous by passing them through the purifying fires of suffering for His sake. You see, when we suffer, when we suffer even for righteousness, we're going to do one of two things. We're going to turn from God or we're going to turn toward God. Jesus didn't hide the idea of suffering from those who were contemplating becoming His followers. He allowed them to make their decision. Amen? He allowed them to make their decision about being a discipleship, being a disciple, with a full knowledge of what to expect. He didn't hold anything back. He didn't sugarcoat it. He didn't say, hey, I'm, you'll have... Uh, you'll have a life of roses here if you do this. He didn't do any of that, did he? He was always honest and upfront. And you know what? People today have that same right to know. That same right to be able to count the cost of being a disciple. You see, really, we shouldn't want people to be a disciple so things can be great on this earth, right? That's why I've, I've come to believe and, and try to uh, share that, is that we can be an example even in the midst of our suffering, even in the midst of our difficulties, to declare to the world, we're not exempt from suffering. We're not exempt from difficulties. But when we do suffer, 
We have a Savior who set an example. We have a Savior who has suffered greater than we. And we have a Savior that can give us victory. What are some reasons for persecution? Why should a righteous person have to suffer? In John 15 and verse 20, Jesus told His apostles, Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. Jesus suffered. The world had a Jesus. If we dare to follow Jesus and aim for the goal of heaven and for victory, we too will suffer. We too will be hated by the world. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. Jesus surely suffered for being righteous, didn't He? And it shouldn't be strange, it shouldn't be shocking to us when those of us who are the called out, the ecclesia from the world will suffer for wearing His name either. So what are some reasons for persecution? Because the righteous person will be, will be persecuted because he is different from the world. You remember what Jesus said in John chapter 1? The world, didn't, uh, the world didn't want to come out of darkness. Maybe it's chapter 14. Uh, because they loved darkness rather than light. And Jesus is light. And so we're going to be different from the world. Now, we don't look different. We're humans just like everybody else, right? We have hair, well, some of us. We dress like everybody else. We smile, we go to the doctor, we go to the dentist. We go to the grocery store, we go to school, we go to work. We're not different in those ways. We don't live in different places from the rest of the world. But we are called to be different in the way that we live and act and respond to the things of life, including persecution. Jesus' life of righteousness was so different from those in His day that He received rebuke from the materialistic, hypocritical religious leaders of that day. In fact, they hated Him because of it. Today, when we live righteous lives, those whose lives do not reflect the standard of Christ will resent us, and many will hate us. They will try to get us to compromise to compromise our faith and to follow their level of thinking and living. In 1 Peter chapter 4, I want you to notice what Peter would say. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 3 and 4, For we have spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles. When we walked in lewdness, lust, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. In regard to these, they think it strange that you do not run with them in the same flood of dissipation, speaking evil of you. In other words, Peter says, listen, when we once lived this way and now we don't live that way, now the world, they don't understand. They think it's strange when we don't live that way any longer. Someone else wrote, 
As surely as darkness is opposed to light, evil people of the world will always be opposed to men and women who are intent on the righteousness of God. Thus, the righteous will always suffer persecution because they are different from the world. That's a reason we suffer persecution, because we're different from the world. A second reason that we suffer persecution is because of the exclusive nature of true religion. Today, you can't hardly make a statement that follows the conviction of a spiritual life and spiritual matter without sometimes being called what? A bigot, right? But we also must be careful not to compromise on the truths found in God's Word. It's a balance, isn't it? It's something we've been called to do, to live, to strive for. And it's not easy. That's why it's important we come together as much as possible. Because we need the encouragement. Keep on keeping on. Don't give up. You're not alone. You ever know You know what it feels like when you feel alone? You feel like nobody else understands. You're all alone. Nobody knows what I feel like. And the reality is, there are a lot more than we normally, at least I've found, than we normally realize. That's why it's important. Paul wrote in Colossians chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. Someone else said, Christians of the first century refused to mingle freely with the heathen social life and customs. Now notice he didn't say that they didn't mingle. He said they were careful and they refused to mingle freely. In other words, uh, to act and live like they did. They refused to enter the temples of the idol gods of Rome and refused to worship emperors of Rome who demanded worship as Lord and God. Because of this exclusive position, Christians were subjected to suspicion, hatred, and persecution. And the same thing can happen today. Let us be on guard. Let us realize there is a cost to being a disciple of Jesus Christ. But guess what? There was a cost given and paid so that I can be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And the third reason we suffer persecution is because the righteous will suffer persecution when they begin to share the claims of Christ on an unbelieving and wicked world around them. When we share the gospel, not everybody wants to hear the gospel. We have to remember that. Now, we don't say that and we don't talk about that so we're scared and afraid, but we have to realize. Why should that shock us though? There were people that didn't want to hear Jesus. There were people that did not want to hear the apostles. And they eventually killed all of them for it. John chapter 15 again, Jesus would say, beginning in verse 18, If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, because I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. 
If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know Him who sent me. I've mentioned this before, but it's worthy especially thinking about persecution to mention again that there's a war going on between the spiritual forces of Christ and the forces of Satan. Between truth and error at all times. Paul would tell us this in Galatians chapter 5. In fact, verse 16, he would say, I say then, walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Here it is. For the lust, for the flesh lusts against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh. These two are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. There's that battle between the flesh and the Spirit. That's why we have temptation. That's why we struggle. That's why sometimes we sin. Because there's a battle. And don't ever underestimate the power of the flesh. The appeal by Satan to our fleshly nature. It's real. It's there. Every day. He may be lurking in your mind right now. And Paul would say, but walk in the Spirit. Because when you're led by the Spirit, you're not under law. There's a battle. We must remember as one person said it, Jesus did not promise to bless the person who is being persecuted because he is rude, hateful, and unkind in his efforts to tell others about Christ. The Lord will bless the Christian who in spite of his loving and kind efforts to bring the truth to others, suffers at their hands because of their wickedness. Blessed are you when you are persecuted for righteousness' sake. For theirs is the kingdom of God. Who's the greatest example of living with and dealing with persecution? Jesus. Jesus is the best example of the truth of the fact that righteous men will be persecuted for righteous living. No one ever was more loving and more kind to people as He attempted to bring salvation to their life. Yet no one has been so shamefully treated because of the righteousness than Jesus. I want you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Matthew chapter 27. And think of the abuse that Jesus went through in the last week of His life on the day of His death. Matthew chapter 27 beginning in verse 39. Verse 38 says, Then two robbers were crucified with Him, one on His right and another on His left. And those who passed by blaspheming Him, wagging their heads and saying, You who destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. Likewise, the chief priest also mocking with the scribes and elders said, He saved others Himself He cannot save if He is the King of Israel. Let Him come down from the cross and we will believe Him. He trusted in God. Let him, let him deliver him now if He will have Him. For He said, I am the Son of God. Even the robbers who were crucified with Him reviled Him with the same thing. Not only was He beaten, not only was He scourged, not only was He uh, forced to wear a crown of thorns, whipped, had to carry the cross through the streets to Golgotha. He was mocked and made fun of and humiliated. And He did that for us. 
You know, I haven't seen much of that type of persecution in the lives of Christians today. But still today, much like we don't get to see, people do suffer great persecution for the name of Christ. There are people. Steve can share stories of those in Africa. There are stories in China and other countries where people are killed because they're Christians. They're persecuted and killed because they're Christians. And we don't have to see that kind, or at least we haven't seen that kind of suffering today, but we do suffer for being a Christian. You see, we can lose a job for standing for what's right, for not compromising our faith and our lifestyle for that of a company if we were asked to do so. We could lose our jobs. We could be persecuted by having those around us avoid us when we try to live right and try to do what's right. And when they don't care about that. And there are many, many other ways that you and I are persecuted today. But did you catch what Jesus said? Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. What? How is that possible? How can someone rejoice for being persecuted for righteousness? A couple of things real quickly. We can rejoice because we know that the persecution of the world cannot jeopardize our spiritual standing with the Lord. You see, the world has no control over that. I do. By the choices and the decisions I make. The enemy can take away our property. The enemy can take away our job. The enemy can take away our good name and even our life. But the enemy cannot take away our citizenship in heaven. Jesus said in Matthew 5 and verse 10, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness', righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Matthew chapter 10 and verse 28. And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. But rather fear Him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Another reason we can rejoice for being persecuted is because our sufferings, listen, our sufferings identify us with God's faithful servants of the past. Hello, I can identify with Paul. I can identify with Peter. I can identify with John. I can identify with Thomas. I can identify with Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Mary Magdalene. I can identify with all those, with Joseph and Abraham and Moses. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. It won't be the first and it won't be the last. We can rejoice in persecution because we know that our suffering will help create a godly perseverance and determination within our spirit. James said in James chapter 1, verse 2, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Why? knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing, spiritually speaking. 
And we can rejoice when we're persecuted because we have a confident hope of a heavenly rest after our time on earth is ended. When you're persecuted, it's tough. We don't want to sugarcoat that. Jesus didn't. It's tough. And we may be tempted to give up. But you see, there's something we can rejoice in. There's something we can rejoice in. Even while persecuting, they can take my life. But they can't keep me from heaven. Paul would write in Romans chapter 8 and verse 18, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Oh, what a day that shall be. You know, I have to admit, sometimes I'm guilty of thinking about death and worrying about maybe the way I'll die and worrying about uh, dying. And I fail to realize and remember that's going to be a great day. John the Revelator would say in Revelation 21 and verse 3, And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. And He will dwell with them, amen, and they shall be His people. God Himself will be with them and be their God, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, no sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then He who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And He said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. You know, I don't believe Jesus told about the trials and persecutions to discourage people from following Him. He wanted to be upfront and honest about the cost of being His disciple. He also wanted His would-be followers to realize, listen to this, someone said, to realize the thrill and challenge of such a commitment. Who do you want to follow in life? You want to follow the person who knows where they're going or has no idea? You want to follow the person who is committed to something or who don't know what to be committed to? Jesus said, I want you to know. I want you to count the cost because it's great. The commitment is great, but I want you to know I've been there and I've overcome. In 1900, Sir Ernest Shackleton, an Arctic explorer, placed an advertisement in the London Times. It read like this, Men wanted for hazardous journey, small wages, bitter cold, long months of complete darkness, constant danger, safe return doubtful, honor and recognition in case of success. You know what the reality is? That could also be an ad from being a disciple of Jesus. It's not going to be easy. The world will hate you at times. The world will persecute you at times. But Jesus would say to us through Scripture, Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. There is coming a day. God will wipe away every tear. No pain, no sorrow, no more death. In heaven anyway. What a great day that will be.
tonight, have you given your life to Jesus Christ? Now we've talked about the cost and counting the cost. And there is cost. But here in a lesson like this, we also want you to realize the reward is far greater than any persecution or any cost you'll pay because Jesus has also already paid it. Are you a Christian tonight? Have you given your life to Jesus Christ? Surrendered your life to Him? Saying, you know what? I'm ready to die with Jesus Christ. I want to be buried in that watery grave of baptism. To, to, to be a part of His death, burial, and resurrection. To rise in newness of life. To go on my way rejoicing. Because my sins have been washed away. I've been forgiven. I've been added to God's church. Have you done that tonight? If not, it's our prayer that you will. Maybe you're here tonight and you've suffered some persecution. You've gone through some difficult times. What better time than with God's family to say, you know what, I need the prayers of the church. I need God's strength. I need the church to remind me you're not alone. Or maybe it is you need to rededicate your life, as some might say, to your first love, that of Jesus Christ. We want to help you any way we can. We stand willing and ready as together we stand and sing. That saved a wretch like me.